Welcome back to the Body Podcast, where we talk strength, conditioning, lifestyle, and everything in between. Today's episode, we have Clayton with us talking about his experience on The Bachelor, his new book, and what he has planned next. Clayton, welcome to the Body Podcast. Scott, man, I was wondering when you were going to finally bring me on this. I'm a little offended that it took this long. <laughs> well, uh, the guy that Hills will be released after yours, but he brought me a gift, so I don't know if you didn't bring me anything. But I thought, you know, just me is the gift of my presence, right? Yeah, and yeah. Vice like, versa. You good, give me your gifts. Good too. sell. I mean, this is what, maybe your first most, your first podcast you've ever been on and probably, I mean, we have, a, Nikki just took a picture of us as probably the most people you've been in front of. Since when? Since, Since ever? Ever? Ready? Yeah. You I haven't mean, been doing anything. No, I, I mean, I just, I've honestly, well, <laughs> I just, I had to hesitate there because I've honestly been a hermit for the last four months. That's why you haven't really seen me. I've been sitting in my room and I was working on my real estate license. And so, yeah, I had to pause there because I'm like, you know, I really have been hiding out yeah. for the last few months, but I might have stepped in front of a person or two or a million. A camera? Yeah. All right. Uh, cameras don't, don't really, uh, they, they give me PTSD at this point. My goal is to make this podcast as uncomfortable for you as possible okay. so that you tell us, let's not run that. And then I can be, hey, first podcast Clayton ever said, do not release. So and then you're going to just get pop. It's going to pop off. Pop right? off. Yeah. I'm going to slip up and say something. Yeah. Um, no, but you get through all the programming. We, we got a lot to talk about. But first, uh, you have a book that's out. Plug that real quick. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 180 Degrees. Um, it's, it's based around mental health. Uh, for me, I, the, if I had to put, wrap it up in a nutshell, it talks about my story from going from self-doubt to self-belief. So the 180 degrees is how I got there through six principles in the book. I divided, you know, 30 degrees at a time. There you go. Six times 30. Yep. 180. We like math. Math checks out. <laughs> yep. And, uh, and it's, it, you know what? It's just really, yeah, it's an autobiography. Uh, I'm really proud of it. it. took nine months to make. So it's my baby. So don't call it ugly. That's, no, no, I got, I got one. I was, I did maybe have the funniest video ever recorded. You're always doing something special <laughs> with like, you just can't be like, Hey, congrats. You gotta, you gotta, <laughs> I always, you gotta twist it. Well, uh, Clayton was writing hand letters to everyone and he was reposting it. So I, as a joke pulled out, I was like, Oh, can't wait to see what mine looks like. Did you bought you bought, you bought, I bought off yeah. Amazon. I yeah, bought off Amazon. Yeah, yeah, I know. Still can write. Yeah, is, is, yeah. I thought it'd been funny. I got yeah. a lot of mostly just our friends, but that I thought it was hilarious. No, I thought it was funny too. I just <laughs> I was like, of course, Scott. You know, you can't just let me off the hook and say congrats. Yeah, no, yeah. he's got to do something. That special. is a, a red flag of mine, I think too. Yeah, it depends if it's red. It's all subjective, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I see it as a green flag. That's what makes you you, man. You're yeah. a character in yourself. <laughs> but let's let's start back. You know, where, where are you from? I guess, you know, kind of go through your childhood and, yeah. you know, obviously you played football, so you can kind of talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, if I had to go back, I, um, you know, growing up, uh, you know, life is all about how you perceive it. So, um, I now know that I had a really great upbringing, but, uh, I was in my head at a very early age, uh, always competing. I have two younger brothers. Uh, and our household was just a nonstop competition, man. So uh, when you got three boys in a house, we would compete to see who could eat more food. Uh, we would compete to see who could throw the ball the farthest, who could hit the hardest and t- tackle football, who was the fastest. I mean, it was just constant competition. Uh, unfortunately, I was losing a lot. Um, I have a brother uh, who's two years younger than me, and he was a superstar uh, at a young age. And so 
uh, I kind of felt early on like I was in his shadows. Um, he was much more successful on the football field than I was, really every sport. Um, and that kind of started to draw a divide between the two of us, although he wasn't aware of it, but I started to, to um, envy him because you know he was getting all these all the praise. Um, he started varsity as a freshman in high school. I was on JV as a junior, so he was on varsity before I was. Um, you know, had a rough go at it, four-string quarterback freshman year uh, of high school. Uh, sophomore year, I, I was wide receiver, junior year, wide receiver on JV with limited success. Um, but why do I say all this? Because this is just, this was the beginning of me not feeling good enough, me feeling like I had come up short, that I was just, you know, an extra in someone else's movie. Um, and so I, I didn't start varsity till my senior year of high school. Um, and all the while, I also uh, was friends out by nearly every single girl <laughs> in my in, in my class. Um, and so, yeah, those two things just kind of they they, they really hung hung over me as uh, as something where I felt oh, I wasn't good enough. Nobody wanted to date me, um, and you know I wasn't a superstar athlete. I, my brother was a stud, and I was just some you know scrub. Uh, it, and again, like now I look back at it and I have so much more to offer than just, you know, my looks and my physical uh, prowess, although I'm not even really an athlete at this point. I'm just washed up. Yeah. But, you know, back then at that age, yeah. that matters. That's all that matters, really. Like you just want to be liked by your friends. You want to be, you know, sports is everything. We don't have to worry about being emotionally intelligent. That's not even a topic of conversation. Um, you don't really have to worry about holding a job and supporting a family. You just are a kid that plays sports and hangs out with his friends and that's your entire life. And I felt that I, you know, lacked in those areas. And yeah. so it led to me becoming a people pleaser, uh, and chasing this external validation that I couldn't seem to find growing up. Yeah. I, I, when I speak to like former or kids in high school, I go back to my high school or um, I haven't been back in a while, but there's some players and stuff, and there's just like any words of advice. And I, when I play in high school sports, I'm like, dude, just have fun. Yeah. If you could just, you know, forget everything else, just have fun. If you just have fun mm-hmm. at practice, and, and competing is obviously part of it. Practice, it, the more fun you have with your friends, because I mean, there's, you play college sports. I, I kind of rode the bench my, my first year. I didn't really play after that. Mm-hmm. But like, high school sports you remember the most like those you know those those moments and, and so it's like if you yeah. just if you're so caught up on everything else I'll say there's no there's not many words just have fun you know and I think if you have fun playing your friends and everything you'll be well liked pretty much too um, but yeah again I always just say just just have fun enjoy it so I'm, I imagine though that was said to you when you were a kid right it was said to me you know just go have fun and there is, but when you heard that, did you take that to heart when you were a kid and, and do it, or did you question it? There's a, there's so many things. I just I would do yeah 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 cool, and I would just go do whatever. You pass it off, right? Yeah yeah yeah. Like like yeah. my friends like dude enjoy college enjoy mm-hmm. and I I, I I like that fun. I definitely thought if I went back, I definitely probably more. People say go. I think I did have a lot of fun. I did enjoy playing basketball. Yeah. I did enjoy high school sports. I did enjoy high school and college. Mm-hmm. But there were some times where I had a buddy that said, uh, when I was moving out here, mm. I was like, hey, man, I, I'm driving the car. I got to uh, I, I gotta get some sleep. And he looked at me and goes, Scott, it's your last time in Boston. Yeah. 
It's like, are you going to remember that extra two hours of sleep you're going to get? Yeah. I've told you, or are you going to remember this night we're going to go out more? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. So I went out that night, miserably hungover, drove across the country. Yeah. But I remember that. And I wish I like that, that's what struck me with a lot of things I do now. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, I'm just going to go to my friend or see a friend. I'll just do it. Yeah. You know, screw it. I wish someone had put that quote into me in high school and I think I would, in college I think I would treat college like everything was like it's gonna be the last time I do this you know so yeah. that's what I wish I that quote was yeah and so the reason why I asked that question to you is because I had someone tell me just go have fun when I was younger and I passed it off as unimportant yeah, you know, that's not like what. Well, okay sure like it, it, the, the value of that statement wasn't there I didn't believe that that was the answer uh, and that's something that I've now realized is the most powerful thing that, that we have is belief. Uh, if you believe in the words that are said to you, then, or if you believe in anything, right, you have to have belief in order to create change, in order to truly make an impact on your life. And that's something that a lot of these sayings that were said to me, uh, I passed them off as just like, this is another saying that some adult's going to tell me. Everything happens for a reason. First time I heard that, I thought, just, that's, just a, that's just a phrase that, you know, whatever. I mean, it sounds great, but, it, you know, in theory, is it, um, or in action, is it really some, like, uh, something I can apply to my life? The answer is now, yes, it's my background on my phone, and I believe every single thing happens for a reason, which means every single conversation I have has importance, has value, because I truly believe that I'm meant to be in every single moment at every second of the day. And so belief though is what it all comes back to. And I think yeah. when you're young as a kid, you don't know what to believe. You're trying to figure out what to believe and people are telling you what to believe, but even you're young, you're stubborn. Oh. So you're like, no, I'm going to figure it out. You know, like, yeah, that's your little, that's your belief. But man, there's so much value in all those statements yeah. that were said to us. Unfortunately, sometimes, man, we get it. We have an ego in the way we're stubborn young and we think we can figure it out ourselves. Or we think things are more important than they are. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, Popularity, perfect example uh, at a young age, man. We thought that was everything. Yeah, and literally, what you literally get to create a new life when you go to college. Mm-hmm. Completely different than your Start high school. From scratch. Start from scratch. And it, it's, it's crazy. So, um, but you end up going to Mizzou to play football yeah. after your senior year. Mm-hmm. End up going to the trying out in the NFL. Kind of like had a cup of you, coffee from, yeah. J, from JV from JV <laughs> as a junior year though yeah. to senior year playing and then going and playing Division One football. That's a big jump. Yeah, and and uh, you know, I documented it in the book, um, but it, it, what it came down to was uh, having that that belief. Again, it, it all comes back to belief. I but I didn't get there by myself, and this is where uh, I talk about. Uh, the, the biggest, the first principle in my book is communication. Um, because I had multiple moments in my life where I was one conversation away from quitting. I almost quit football four or five times in my career. And it's funny because some of the conversations were really powerful. They all were powerful in their own ways. Uh, I talk about it. Um, I had a, a, my senior year, I was going into my senior year of high school and I had a coach Sumner is his name. And uh, he was my defensive line coach at the time. But I was a wide receiver heading into that year. He pulled me aside during like summer ball when we were just, we were um, working out, just lifting weights and, and running around and like doing seven on seven drills. He was like, Clayton, I want to switch you to a defensive end. Um, I said, oh, okay. He goes, I think you could really do a great job. 
at that position. I believe in you, but you got to believe in yourself. So I'm going to give you a shot. We got a, we got a jamboree coming up. And for people that don't know, jamboree is like the NFL preseason. And he said, you know, I, I want you to just give it your all, man. And if you do, if you truly believe in yourself as much as I believe in you, you will become the starter and you will have a very, very great senior year. Um, that conversation alone, I didn't believe in myself, but because he believed in me, uh, it gave me just enough confidence to go out and play my heart out for him a couple weeks later and to become the starting defensive end. That was a catalyst for having game film to then show the coaches at Mizzou so I could walk on. But without that conversation, um, without him believing in me, I would have just been a wide receiver my senior year and I probably wouldn't have had that success. There are other times, though, where it's crazy, ridiculous, what kept me from quitting. My freshman year of college, I almost quit. I walked on the team. I'll never forget, I had a conversation with one of my coaches. Um, it was like the second day that I was there during practice. And he said, uh, I, I was doing a drill. I was like knocking down these bags as a defensive end. And he goes, Clayton, you, you ever played a down of football in your life? I said, yeah, coach, I have. Why? He goes, I wouldn't be able to tell. <laughs> and he walked off. And uh, I remember I called my parents at night. I said, yeah, I'm probably going to get cut here soon. Then I got in my head started, I felt really defeated. I, I just, that, that comment stuck with me for weeks. And I ended up one day, it was like, uh, it was really cold out. I think it was, it was snowing. I was walking to morning practice. Uh, like we had morning lifts and it was like five in the morning and there wasn't a soul out. And I had a, I had a mile walk to get to, to the facility and it was just pouring, pouring, just snowing terribly. I mean, there was probably like five inches on the ground. And I remember just thinking like, I don't want to do this, man. Because I was in my head, I'm like, you're not going to make it anyway. So why are you getting up so early? There's no one else that's out right now. Like, just quit. Go live the college life that everyone else is doing. Go party it up like your roommate is. I had a random roommate that was in a fraternity. Called my parents and I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to quit. I said, I just want to be done. My dad said, all right, you know, we, we, uh, you know, we support you for whatever you do. But just know if you quit, I'm not going to you know, give you uh, that, the monthly check to pay for your groceries anymore. So you're going to have to get a job to pay for those groceries. He goes, just so you know. That one comment stopped me because I was as a as a broke freshman. I remember thinking, "Man, I don't really want to like work." Yeah, yeah I mean, don't get a job. I'm yeah, gonna play, play football. And all I did was play sports my entire life. Yeah, I had one job prior to that point. I was I worked uh, well two jobs, but one I didn't. I ended up getting let go. I worked as a server back in the year prior in high school. Um, they just stopped calling me back because <laughs> they, they didn't like the fact that. They told me I could get a, I had a, I could get a free meal every night, and what did I get? I didn't get the cheat meal. I got steak. Yeah. Yeah. And then I dropped a plate and like broke something. I also wasn't going up to the tables and asking them if they wanted their water refilled. <laughs> so they just didn't call me back. My other job was I was at uh, I was I stirred fudge at at Walmart or not Walmart <laughs> at a Six Flags. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. We had a uh, theme park there in, in my hometown. So I stirred the pot of fudge at, at the front. And uh, yeah, I just, I, my dad told me if I played three sports, I didn't have to work. And so all I knew was sports. So when I was in college and my dad said that comment, it just resonated, man. And it stopped me from quitting because I was so concerned about having to get a job and pay for groceries. Yeah. Thank the Lord he knew how to get through to me. He <laughs> knew that I did not want to pay for my groceries. And so I said, well, I'll stick it out for, you know, a couple more weeks, see how it goes. 
crazy though how yeah. one conversation well, could could have been the difference between me being where I am today and me being somewhere completely different. The the Larry Bird story was that he quit at Indiana. I'm not playing. His dad said, "Okay." Basically, is I think that was like a truck driver or like a, a I think they laid like asphalt down, mm-hmm. made him come with them. He's like, I'm gonna go back to college and play basketball, <laughs> and then went to Indiana State instead. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I'm not doing this real world <laughs> stuff. So well, because we're so nearsighted as kids, and we're still kids in college, and our parents understand that a lot of these things, if we make these decisions, because they've made these they they made those decisions when they were kids, and probably no one stopped them, and so they have you know, a lifetime of regret. And so they tried to instill in us, Hey, you don't want to do that. Yeah. Uh, I'll never forget. I used to play the piano and I quit, stopped playing it. My parents said, you know, one day when you're older, you're going to wish you could still play. <laughs> I said, no, I, no, I don't care to play the piano. Like that's, I'll, I'll be playing sports my entire life. Yeah. Here I am at 29 years old and I can safely say, I wish I could play the piano. I, I literally <laughs> had this thought the other day. I was like, you know, I played sports. It was great. You know, you still play pickup. It still, it gives you a lot of life lessons. Yeah. But so, like, I see like a guitarist in someone's house. I'm like, wouldn't it be would be a lot cooler right now if I could just rattle off some music yes. right now? Yeah. I'd be so much cooler just pulling out the guitar. Thousand percent, man. Yeah. Now it's never too late. I will say. Yeah. Like, there's that's that's the follow up is I could go back to playing piano, but actually I'm more focused on learning to dance. So that's my right. hobby as of now. That I'm you trying to uh, get more than that one move you got. I have an arsenal of about four. About <laughs> yeah, I've, I've four. seen. I've seen about. No, I've seen. Yeah, two. You've seen the shiver and then the little arm move. Yeah, I, I learned that from. Uh, was it Hitch with uh, Will Smith? Yeah, yeah. He, he talks about just stay in your zone. Yeah, you know, don't get crazy with it. Which I sometimes get crazy with with a few drinks. But My buddy's always like, we walk around dance all the way. He's always like, elbows in, buddy. Elbows, keep the elbows in. <laughs> it's a really great trick, man. It's worked for me really well. Yeah. Um, and I've and I'm telling you that that movie really made me realize. I was like, you don't have to do too much. Just do a little bit. Yeah, just, yeah. just enough. Just, yeah. just a little wiggle, a little And shift. when people start getting like, oh, then you kind of stop. Stop. Because then, yeah. it's like, oh, do more. You're like, nah, nah, nah. Yeah, you're like, no, next time. You yeah. give a reason to want to call you back to hang out again. Yeah. Um, but then they find out once they become good friends, they're like, you don't have any other moves. Yeah, no, but when they're your friends. you just did. You just called me out, man. Yeah. I, everybody uh, knows I have four moves. Uh, if they follow you on Twitter or Instagram, they've seen they seen the same moves every I gave, time. Yes, I gave everything in that last video I had. That was all. That's a, that was three or four moves. I think I put it all. Yeah, I threw it all out. So I knew I, I I just got to put it together for fifteen seconds. So you're like a you're like a nine year vet in the NFL, or, and you're trying to get to the ten year so you can get that you know the extra money. You're doing everything you can this last tryout to get to year ten. Squeezing out every last yeah. move, and that's what I did, man. And uh, you know what? Someone sees a fifteen second clip, they're like. This guy's got moves. Yeah, said, no, yeah, versatile. Yeah, but it doesn't matter as far as you're concerned. Yeah, you know that video kept going. They're they're already <laughs> portraying that I was hitting ten other moves. They're um, extrapolating now. That's not the case, but you know whatever. I'll sell myself I, out of this since you sold me out already. I I, I pulled the moves when everyone kind of gets a little more drunk, so yeah. they think I'm better. Yeah. and I have like the little like you know the. That was decent. Yeah, it's good, but I can only do it with my left. We don't have a camera. We don't have a camera, right? but I can only okay. go. I can go like seventy five percent. I'll do it, and I'll just pretend to like. Uh, drink my, you know, like yeah. pull up my heart, so and that's the only move I got. Scott's but people are like, ooh, ooh, ooh. That uh, are listening to this, Scott's doing the wave right now, and he had a little little arm rotation. Yeah, but that's the only move I got. And then people are like, oh, and I just, then I just stop, and I yeah. never do it after that. Yeah, because yeah. you give the people what they want, but not too much, because then they realize, oh wait, we didn't want all that. You know, yeah. you, you don't, you don't yeah. have, you only have that small little little arsenal. But 
That's why you also just go to different bars and clubs. So that's why I, you know, yeah, I, I go to a different club, and the next thing you know, they're like, it's new to all those people, so on and so forth. I go to like free places. <laughs> well, I have my favorite spots. Yeah. Unfortunately, they just, they, whatever, they know I repeat the moves, and that's yeah. me. So it makes well, me me, man. Uh, you know, let's get into a little bit. I know, obviously, we want to talk about your book and kind of what you're doing now, but um, you get casted to go on The Bachelor, mm-hmm. The Bachelorette. Bachelorette how, first, yeah. How did that. Did you supply? No, I got, uh, actually it was a fitness hashtag. So that they found me on. So there's casting agents that are just scouring the dark depths of the internet. I had about, I remember I had a hundred thousand followers. I had downloaded Instagram four months prior because all my friends weren't posting on Facebook anymore. And so I thought, well, I have to get on Instagram at this point because no one's on Facebook. None of my friends are anymore. So how can I snoop? You said um, you had a hundred thousand followers. No, no, no. I had under a oh. thousand. Oh, under a yeah. thousand. Yeah. I was like, no, I wasn't. In four months, I was no. like, damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then I should be selling a course on how to get. I know. <laughs> yeah, if that were the case. Um, but no, I had under a thousand, and uh, I. But I just, I got my Instagram, and and I've always been into fitness, and so uh, I had a few people around me that were like, you should post your workouts and stuff, and so I tried my I tried to influence. Uh, for the first time, although I really wasn't, I had my medical sales job. I was really just like, well, what am I going to post for Instagram? So I thought, oh, I'll just post some fitness stuff. Uh, so I posted a you know, few posts. I was posting like once a month. Um, but I hashtag fitness because I was like, this is a fitness post. I don't know what else to post on here. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, yeah, I was never the person to be like, hey, let's take out a photo or let's take out a camera and capture this moment. That just was never me. Um, but sure enough, some recruiter found uh, that, that, that hashtag and reached out. And uh, it's funny how things work, man. It's, I, I don't think people realize that we have defining moments in our lives that might feel like insignificant at the time, but lead to just a mountain of change. Yeah. And for me, that recruiter reached out and this is, you know, I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm in my faith, I'm a Christian. Uh, I just believe everything happens for a reason. And why? Because that recruiter reached out when I was unhappy for the first time in a while with my job in particular. You know, prior to those, you know, if they'd have reached out a year prior, I'd have just deleted it yeah. or never answered it. I was making really good money in medical sales, coming out of college, um, you know, making more probably than ninety nine percent of my friends. Uh, you know, I was a medical sales rep, so that felt really great for the ego. You know, I was an <laughs> orthopedic medical device sales. You better believe when I was. Dating, you know, dating around, I was telling. Twenty three. Oh, yeah. The ego was telling any any girl I could that, you know, that mouthful. Of like, oh, I'm an orthopedic medical device sales representative that works on joint prostheses. <laughs> you know, right? Like it was sounded cool, um, but yeah, I was five years in to that job, and uh, I'll never forget. I turned twenty eight and I had my quarter life crisis. Yeah, a little. Well, bit. you plan to live to. 92? No, I mean, I'm not making it there. Wait. I'm like... It's the math. Are you doing the math right? 28, quarter life, 28 four. No, that's two. over... That's that's 32. What, what is the math on that? Oh, no, that's... 108. No, Jesus, that's 108. Yeah. Right? Am I doing the math? No, 102. 112. 112. I don't even know. 112. Sorry, I, I, I went the wrong... It's over 100. Yeah, yeah. We can't do the math here. This is great. Um, 175 degrees. So I had my... I had my... Yeah, right. yeah. It's close enough. Yeah. Um... So I had my, uh, a little late, a little core life crisis late, but, um, if people have that, I just kind of yeah. made that up as a joke, but there was some seriousness to it. 
I uh, realized when I hit 28, I just had this moment of reflection and I thought, do I really like enjoy what I'm doing? Uh, you re- I was like, you realize Clayton, you're going, this is your life. You know, my coworker, my senior rep, he was going to retire in a few years. So I knew what my life was going to look like. I was going to have a 20, 30 year career in medical sales in Columbia, Missouri, doing exactly what I was doing already. And I was like, this is your life. Are you cool with this being your life? And I panicked. I was just like, I don't want this. I don't want this. Um, but then of course, what did I do? I said, I just need to make more money and that'll call it. So I went to have the money talk and, uh, it didn't go over well. <laughs> you know, I, I, I had to wait my turn. Asked for, you asked for more money and didn't. Asked for more money and they gave me, you know, and, uh, they said, no, you know, you need to wait to make that. We'll, we'll bump it slightly. And I said, and in my head, I go, no, it's not enough. It's not enough to quell this quarter life crisis I'm having. <laughs> so I started applying for jobs elsewhere. Uh, and I was talking to a competitor, a competitor in, um, in, in St. Louis, uh, and they threw together this offer. It was for double what I was making currently. Now, granted, it was a difference between a W two and a ten ninety nine contractor. It ended up being about one and a half times, maybe a little bit less than that, the amount of money. Yeah. Um, but for me, again, as a young kid, I was still just like, "This is great." So I go to my company and I say, "Hey, I'm leaving. Um, I got this offer." just for way more. I told you guys, like, you couldn't match that. You guys asked for more money. You couldn't do it. So I'm going elsewhere to get it. And, uh, they said, well, did you ask them about the fact that they're losing three surgeons? Oh, like they're going to lose all their business. I said, no, they're not. They go, yeah, they are. Did you ask them? They're losing so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. I said, they didn't say that. They go, okay, well go ask them. Um, and, and you know, just realize we're trying to look out for you. Uh, but there's that, that job is not what you think it is. So I went back and I said, Hey, I said, are you guys losing these surgeons? They said, yeah. I said, why didn't you tell me this? They said, we did. I said, you did not tell me this. This is a hundred percent commission job. Yeah. So I'm going to not make any of that money that you all just told me I was going to make. I said, give me a guarantee for that money. They, we, we can't do that. And I said, okay, I see how this is. I said, I'm not interested. So I go back to my job and I said, I'm not taking that job. They said, okay, but are you going to leave now? We don't know. Like, should we be looking for somebody else? Yeah. Because you're clearly looking elsewhere. You're not happy. All the while, that damn recruiter in my DMs <laughs> just kept following up and kept saying, let's, let's do another round. Yeah, let's, we're like, we love you. Let's do another round of interviews with so-and-so. So at that point, my current company was just like, we don't even know if you're going to be here that much longer. So the ground under me was shaking. You know, there was no stability at that point. And I said, God, if it's in your hands, then show me, give me a sign. And that sign was the producer saying, we love you. We want to bring you on the bachelorette. (laughs) Will you do it? And I thought, man, if I'm ever going to jump and do something wild, I got to do it when there's no stability around me. And this is, and it was a perfect storm. And it's crazy because if the, if that job that I had at the time, if they'd have just paid me $20,000 more, that's all I was asking for, which is some people are like, that's a lot of money. You wouldn't have left. I wouldn't have left. Being Columbia, season ticket holder. 20K, football. And it's like, <laughs> in hindsight now, I I just, it blows my mind because that's what that's that's all it took. They could yeah. have just said, yeah, we'll pay you the 20K and I would still be in Columbia today. Yeah. Um, now I look at it and like, yeah, that's still, that's a good amount of money. But like to make a life-changing decision over 20K, and I think about everything now that happened, it's priceless. I, I can't believe that I almost didn't take that opportunity over $20,000. Because yeah. what I've learned 
the amount of life experience, the connections I've built, it's, it's been millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of opportunity. And it's still going at this point. And yeah. so I'm not saying I've made that money. Yeah, I'm just yeah, saying yeah. you can't put a price tag on what I've New friends, learned. experiences, yeah. stuff you've done. And, and I guess we get it, you, you go on this show, um, you finish in like what, the top six? Nah. Ten? Number eight. Eight, eight? Yeah, yeah. So you finish eight, but then they ask you, do you want to become The Bachelor? Any thought about being like, no? Or is it kind of like, well, I don't have a job. <laughs> I don't have anywhere to go home now. No, Am you I- know what, man? Like, I had such an incredible experience on The Bachelorette. Um, I pushed myself outside of my comfort zone with the help of the producers. Um, they really pushed me to, to, to just have fun. And I, but I was, I mean, I'll never forget, I was on the show and I, the first night I almost left again six times. I mean, I had this fear of looking dumb, of failing. And so, as you can tell, as, as we talk, so many times I thought about quitting in my life. So many times. Uh, but I just had, for whatever it was, fate, the right people in my corner. I thankfully am a very talkative person, as you can tell. We're like, you're probably like, dude, no. we're only on question three. We're not going to get through all this. <laughs> yeah. We knew this was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but thankfully, man, I've always just been a talker and I've always just been open about my struggles. Uh, well, a lot of the struggles I had with mental health, I didn't start opening up until about college time. But um, I would just kind of like throw out breadcrumbs and see how people reacted to them. Well, at this point in the game, when I was on The Bachelorette, I just told those guys. I said, man, I just don't feel like I should be here amongst you guys. You're incredible. You guys are CEOs, entrepreneurs, um, super good looking guys. And I just don't feel like I match up to you all. And they didn't, you know, this was never shown on TV, but like, man, these guys, we sat for hours. We would have these wine nights on the show. It was pretty fun. Um, your, your boy Malik. Malik, Malik, Dude, was, Malik was the wine night connoisseur. Yeah. So we would sit. And he'll tell you too. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he won't. But he'll, he'll first thing is I'm a wine guy. Yeah, yeah. and and on that, he would tell us he would show like he would you know twirl it around and so you got to look at the legs that come down the side of the glass. That's how you can tell how good of a wine it is, and he'd have a smell it. And what was fun because we would just sit there every night and we would have these wine nights. All the boys would get drunk off wine and we would just talk and we would open up about our struggles. And I, yeah, through through this, I would share my struggles of not feeling like I should be there. And they were like, man, you're a good dude. There's a reason why that you were brought here in the first place. And just know that we see what you're capable of. And like, it, we'll, we'll, whatever we can do, man, like you need to believe in yourself because you're here for a reason. Yeah. And I you know I've talked to you guys and I know Malik and uh, some people have been on the show before. Mm-hmm. It's what I don't think people realize is if there's like a, a, a group date or one-on-one, they're gone all day. It's just you guys just hanging out by yourself. There's no no books, no phone, no TV, no nothing. So you get to know people very quickly and become friends with them. You know, there, there's probably guys in there that you've talked to more and got deeper than than some of your like high school friends or college buddies. Absolutely. Just because Absolutely. when you're with someone for eight, 16 hours straight yeah. and you have no other – you can't just sit there. Like I've gone to my college roommate's house. On a call, we watch uh, college basketball, yeah. like March Madness. We could say three words to each other and be there for twelve hours. Yeah, you know, and but like when you don't have that, you get to talk about some some stuff. It's like, so. you've, it's like you've heard a thing or two of how uh, how it goes when whenever you show up. It's like you. It's like I've talked to you about this with Malik or whatever. But you're, yeah. you're, you're 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 spot on, man. You have two options: you either participate or you go sit in your room and 
are miserable for 10 hours a day because you can't do anything else. So your options are either I communicate and I, you know, talk to these guys or I don't. And so that was the thing is, and so as you're sitting there, you know, talking to the guys, you're like, man, we're here for 10 hours. So we might as well just like let it all out, whatever we can come up with. And what you found was, you know, I was just didn't feel like I should have been there. So I just started talking, you know, let, letting it out. Like I just wore my heart on my sleeve. I just let it out. I was like, guys, this is what I'm struggling with. And then oh, it just opened up, man. Like all of them started to, I'm not saying I was the, the, the guy that did it, but like I kind of, you know, threw some breadcrumbs out there. Another guy noticed, threw some breadcrumbs out there. Next thing you know, we're having these heart to hearts and we're just building each other up. Um, and, and contrary to what people think, like these guys, I mean, were wholesome and these guys were, willing to just be there for me and pump me up when I was defeated. And because ultimately at the end of the day, we all knew that only one of us was going to end up with, with the bachelorette. So we thought, well, let's just make the most of this experience and get out as much of it that we can. So we were like, well, how about we just work on improving upon ourselves and build each other up. And, uh, Brandon, one of my really, really good friends from the show, um, you know, he was my roommate and, uh, we had these pillow talks. And we would just sit up whenever the camera stopped rolling. We would go to our room and we would talk for like four hours a night. Because to your point, which you said earlier, I could get a couple hours extra sleep or I could make the most of this moment because this moment will never, ever happen again. Yeah. So we just talked about life and and where we were at and how crazy the experience was. Um, And through all of that, though, I learned so much about... Those were the, that was the beginning stages of mindfulness for me. Uh, Brandon taught me how to journal. He showed me his journal. Um, you know, my entire life, I was told, we didn't call it journals, we called it diaries. Yeah. And so, toxic masculinity, second I heard diary, I was like, I'm not writing a diary, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's for girls. Yeah. Right, that's the way I was raised. I'm talking about my emotions. Yeah, like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go bench press. Yeah. Were you not told that too growing up? Like, did you not have like a similar situation where guys were like, don't, we don't talk about our emotions. That's what girls do. Right. This, and this is not what I believe now, but like, that's what I was told growing up. At least that's, that's the environment I was raised in. Yeah. No, and I, I, I don't, sometimes it's just, you see it in movies, you know, the girls are in the diaries and you hear your girl, the girls in your school and like maybe high school talking about di- diaries, mm-hmm. journals, and you're just like, oh, okay, whatever. We don't talk about emotions. I'm not going to write them down. So you, sometimes you just don't do it because it, it never come up. No one's ever talked to you about it. No one's ever yeah. brought it up to you. Pop culture like where, set, set the stage where it's like, you right, in movies, you, what do you see? Women laying on their beds, writing their diaries. Yeah. You, what movie? I can't think of a movie that where a guy was doing that. Not at least a movie I watched when I was a kid. No. What, I, do, we, what do we see? Like these guys playing football or you know like doing something crazy trying to chase and get the most beautiful girl in school yeah yeah Yeah, and those love and those love stories although actually i should i should say but i didn't watch this until after college i I actually liked the notebook a lot that was a great movie (laughs) um i think did he write in a journal though i mean he's chasing after the girl i don't know he wrote letters he wrote letters yeah yeah so okay but i didn't you know i would i wouldn't dare watch that in high school i remember i was like i'm not watching the notebook (laughs) <laughs> right? So like a lot of this examples, pop culture, the things that were put in front of me just showed men being, you know, physical, getting in fights. And, yeah. and it's like, that's what we saw. And that's what I guess we thought men were supposed to be. Yeah. So you know, we've talked solely about kind of like your struggles mentally and, yeah. you know, you had such a great experience 
on The Bachelorette, mm-hmm. you get asked to go on The Bachelor. You thought it was going to be something like that. Like, I just had this great experience. Yeah. I met a bunch of guys. Yeah. We got along. Pillow talks, wine nights, all this stuff. Let's run this back where I'm definitely going to find the person I'm supposed to be with. What a, it's a win-win for everyone, right? Yep. That's, that was my exact thought. Yeah. I thought they, they go, we'll give you some time to think about it. I said, why do I have to think about it? It's, it's pretty obvious that I want to do it. I said, I just learned, had an incredible support system around me of men. I know I won't have it this time around, but, but they gave me the tools that I need to, to, to be able to take this into my next chapter of my life. And now I'm in the driver's seat. I'm the bachelor. I get to like, there's 30 beautiful women. I'm going to walk out of here with my future wife. Like, because I started to like the bachelorette at the time, you know, Michelle, I really started to kind of like her. Now I got knocked out at eight. So I, I was still holding back. I wasn't giving her my all because I was, you know, I, you know, I just felt like there's too many guys here still. I don't want to hurt myself. And granted, like she had way stronger connections. I kind of felt that. So I was reserved and withholding my, my emotions. Um, but being the bachelor, I was like, I'm going to be able to find somebody and I'm going to pour into this. And I had such an incredible experience the first time around. So like now I'm, I'm in the driver's seat. It's going to be even better. It's like, that was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It's like in sports, it's like you're the underclassman, but you're in the final four and you have a big game. The seniors leave like, now I'm the big man on campus. We can average 20 a game. I'm going to go to the league. And then it's just like, man, it's a lot different than I thought. New coach comes in. You're like, but yeah, you know what am I? I don't know what it is about the difference between the bachelorette and the bachelor, but for whatever reason, when they get down to like the final eight, three, four on the bachelorette, the guys are all kind of like, all right, no, have a good one. You know, the girls, for whatever reason, are like, I can't believe you just kept me around just to break my heart. I always want to be like, this isn't like a Mormon show. You, they can't end up with three, four wives. They always have to end up with one person. And again, the producers, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but and you can say you're wrong, Scott. I don't know if you're even allowed to talk about it, but the producers also aren't going to be like, hey, Clayton, you know, oh, you know who it is or who's got Zach now or who, you know, um, was the guy before? Before me was Matt, Matt James. Matt James. Matt James, like, now just like, oh, you know who it is? There's five girls off. Yeah, let's just send it over. We still have three weeks of film to, you know, like, they're not just going to let you just do that. They're going to kind of, you know, you have to keep someone around. It's part of like the game. They're not just going to let you send five girls home and just keep one. And the next three weeks are you just having one-on-ones, you know? You said it, not me. Okay. This is what I'll, this is what I'll say. I will speak from my personal experience. I legitimately was confused. I did not know who I was going to end up with. Um, and that's what people saw. And I, and, um, yeah, I mean, there are people that say you should make this decision. It should be very apparent who you're, who you're going to pick. Um, but in my case, I liked, you know, the, the final women that were in my situation, that were there with me, were all different. They all had their, their quirks. They all had the differences where I wasn't 100% sure who I was going to choose. There was a point near the end where I was leaning towards you know, well, I guess it's no surprise, Susie, right? Like that's the person that I ended up chasing after, but I never had it a hundred percent in my head that it was her. Yeah. Um, I, I still was leaving the door open because I thought, well, there's a chance that like I could learn something about her that all of a sudden makes this, you know, dead in the water. And it's like, then I, I might end up having a stronger connection with somebody else. Um, yeah. so I didn't have that answer. 
Um, but you know, what you said is what you said. Yeah. Again, I, I just, and also like with the show, usually the person they pick is a good person. Bachelor at bachelor is a great person. Uh, it's should be. you should be, it's yeah. someone that, you know, people have liked or is a good person. They usually have a good judge of character. When you get down from 30 to three people, it's probably, they're all very quality men or women. And it's probably very tough to make that decision. And you might not know. I always, I mean, you know, there was one season where the guy picked someone and then realized he was wrong and then went back to the other one, which is, a, we, you don't have to, if you watch the show, you know who it is. But, um, <laughs> but, he's a good dude, yeah. yeah it, worked what I, out, it worked, actually worked out for him. Yeah, it did. And, and, and he is, he's married still the same person with kids. Yeah. But what I was saying was, I, this is the dumbest maybe analogy, but you'll understand where I'm going with it. When you're always struggling between two options, I always say flip a coin. And if it lands on, so you're saying like, hey, we're going to Wendy's or McDonald's. Where do you want yeah. to go? Ah, oh, flip a coin. How our heads is Wendy, uh, tails is McDonald's. We flip it, lands on tails. If you have any ounce of like, oh man, that means you want Wendy's and then go with Wendy's. So okay. if you're just like, all right, so that's how like, it, 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 with his situation, it's kind of like, this is who I think I'm supposed to be with. And then you do and you're like, oh man, I flipped the coin, head your tails. Oh, it landed on her. All right. Ooh. I, I, I never thought about it that way, but you're right. Like if you have any reservations in that moment, then you, then you, the, other, the, the other answer was the right answer. Two things to that, obviously like, yes, like you most, sh- most life decisions. I mean, a coin flip is scary to leave it up to. Also in my case, I needed a three sided coin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what I was getting at is like, it's not necessarily don't leave like this up and I'm not calling like, well, flip a coin to pick someone who you no, should I be with. I'm, saying that, yeah. I'm just saying is when you flip it, if it lands and you have any doubt, yeah. that means you really like the other one a little more and you should just, you should just go with that. It's yeah. kind of how I always do that. So I have a coin flip app on my phone Yeah, for that situation. No, I like it because it forces you to it, – it, it's basically making a decision for you, but then you instantly have to reflect in that moment, am I okay with this being my course of action? Yeah. Um, and that's mindfulness. And that's like we don't – I never even was taught mindfulness to – to reflect upon your decisions. I, my entire life was taught to be reactive, not proactive. Yep. Absolutely. Everything you do is, oh, every, you always told this as a kid, everything you make has a reaction, uh, uh, has a reaction to reaction. reaction, Right. But they never tell you to, before you make that decision, think about what those consequences could be. You just, oh, you do it. Oh, there's, you know, there's yeah, your consequence. I, I heard follow your gut. That's, that's like, that's <laughs> what I heard a lot of the times. Just, um, just, just follow your gut, whatever feels right, which I like that, right? There's that I do follow my gut these days, but I used to just follow my gut and leave it at that. Now right. I listen to my gut and then I reflect upon, you know, what, you know, the course of action, what may occur if I make this decision. So it's, it's, it's my gut combined with mindfulness with self-awareness now so it's like i'm not just relying on like oh how i feel i'm also adding rationale into the equation and experience as well i'm pulling from experiences when i can to say and if not mine somebody else's but i take the time to go you don't have to make this decision right here in this moment um so how about you go talk to other people about it how about you give it a few days you know pray about it whatever but like just take time to reflect upon it um, because I just never did that. Like yeah. so often it was just take action. If, if I were to just do what my gut says, I would just keep buying courtside tickets, the sons and eat in uh, the most like ice cream and shit all day. Like you, you can't, you gotta like be, but everyone's like, just yeah, do what your you gut gotta, says. Like let's, 
make a rational decision here. Is that the best option? Should we be doing that? But I think sometimes though too, like you got to make those emotional decisions, right? I mean, you just got to just do it because honestly, like you're those, those, sometimes you got to feed the beast. You got to feed the gut. You got to feed the ego, whatever it is. Um, I don't think, you know, so often I think people are told that, you know, we have to suppress certain things and why, I mean, Sometimes you can give a little, right? It's just where balance comes into the equation. Uh, I'm thinking about like a really dumb example, but yesterday, um, so I'm a pretty clean eater, and I and I, you know, I eat steak and eggs for like every single day. I'm pretty regimented. Um, I feel best when I have optimal fuel running through my body, right? Like that's what's worked for me. Yesterday, I was having a craving for some St. Louis style pizza, <laughs> so I was like, just do it, man. Your gut's telling you to do it. Like you know, you're gonna have the bubble guts afterwards. You know, you're gonna feel terrible, but like. Just do it, man, because you're going to be so happy when that pizza hits your mouth for the first time. Yeah. And I did it. And you know what? Like, yeah, I got the bubble guts. But, like, overall, I'm, I, I was like, sometimes you just got to just make that emotional decision because it's going to pr- bring happiness, right? It's going to – but, like, what's yeah. what's the al- alternative, right? I do that. And, like, so there's there's a balance, right? Like, no, I can't eat pizza every single day. It's a, it's a cheat. And the same way you can't just buy courtside tickets every single day, Right. But like this whole idea of, of um, you know, we need to cut off things cold turkey. It's like, no, life's a balance. Yeah. Right? It, it, and obviously it's a fitness podcast too, but um, it's like a cheat meal. Just don't make it a cheat day. It's someone that told me one time, hey, you want to have a cheat meal? Have a cheat meal. Just don't make it a cheap, uh, a cheat day where you're doing you know pizza three times that day or something. Well, so I'll, I'll counter that. This is a fitness podcast, but I don't like the terminology cheat meals because it's just cheating has a negative connotation. You know, to yeah, me, the word, I got gotcha. you. The words matter, right? So when people hear cheating, what's the first thing you think of? Well, cheating wrong. on tests. Yeah. Cheating on your significant other. So to me, I found this to be really you know important when I talk to, I train clients online as well. Um, and when I talk to them, I'm like, I don't use the word cheating cause I don't want them to eat a meal and feel guilty. Yeah. You can have a whole day of eating whatever you want, but just understand that if you eat in excess, that's going to lead to weight gain. So if your goal is weight loss, you have to be in a deficit. So my whole thing is, is like balance. If you're going to have that meal or if you're going to go crazy for a whole day, do it. But just know that like the, the on the other side of that, you're going to probably put on some weight. So what can you do though? The beauty about fitness, schedule another workout. Schedule another workout so that now you have a you know, 500 calorie burn workout so that you kind of basically, you, you negate those calories that you take in. Yeah. That's the beauty of it is it's like you can go, I tell people like go do that. Because what's gonna happen is if you just cut off things and say I'm not gonna eat sweets anymore, I'm not gonna have pizza, I'm not gonna do cheat meals, you're gonna relapse. Oh, right. you're gonna quit. You're gonna quit the, the diet or the workout. You're gonna hate it. You're gonna be yeah. like, I hate that I can't eat these foods at all. That's why I hear, I hear so many clients that come to me. They're like, I can't. I, I don't like going to trainers because all they tell me chicken rice and you know chicken rice and broccoli. I'm like, that is not the only solution, and that's going to lead to a place where you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. And yeah. So they quit, rightfully so, because that's not fun to follow. No. I'm like, you don't have to cut out these things completely. You just eat a little more healthy foods and what they'll find anyways is I've found this I'm like hey pay attention to how you feel when you eat the pizza versus how you feel when you eat um, you know the, the steak or the you know the broccoli or whatever eat that and then pay attention to how you feel the rest of the day and, and like when you're eating processed foods you'll start to feel sluggish you'll yeah. realize like man I feel sluggish 
uh, my digestion's off. But when I eat that, that, that healthy meal, I feel good. Yeah. And eventually I just keep telling them to pay attention to that. And, then, and they're like, I, well, I want to feel like that all the time. Yeah. And so they naturally start cutting out those meals, but I don't tell them to stop yeah. eating them. I just say, pay attention to how you feel. Yeah. And that's, again, I know this is a fitness podcast, but like, I genuinely believe that's, that's the most success that I see with my, my, my clients is I'm not telling you to cut it off. I'm just telling you to pay attention to how you feel when you do that workout, pay attention to how you feel when you eat that meal, right? You're going to feel cleaner energy. When you do that workout, you're going to have the endorphin release. You're going to feel great. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a piece of shit for using the word cheat now, you know, no, 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 but I mean that like, uh, uh, now I'm going to be mindful of it. And now I'm like, oh, let's not use the word cheat. That makes sense. What you're saying, the reason why you don't, makes a hundred, it makes a thousand percent sense. And next thing I'm like, someone says like, I'm going to have a cheat meal. I'm like, hey, if they bring up like, ooh, I need a cheat meal. Hey, balance, just, you know, enjoy it, but make sure you have a good balance with that. If you're going to do that, you know, maybe go for a walk an extra day or something like that. Well, and the thing is, man, is I, the reason why I bring it up is only because, again, like to just understand that words mean different things to different people. There's, if yeah. you look in the dictionary, most words have three or four different definitions. So the only reason I bring it up is because I think it's a really great point because yeah. somebody corrected me at one point and they said, hey, just so you know, that word means something differently to me than how you're using it. So I'm glad we had this conversation, but, but I wanted to let you know, like it hurt me when you said that because like, I don't like that word. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'll give another example here. Um, I don't want to get too dark with this, but like I'm a mental health advocate. So I, I speak on mental health and, and I've done, you know, I've, I've worked with the organizations that work on suicide prevention. This is something I learned recently. Um, they, uh, told me that you don't want to say that somebody um, was unsuccessful or, had, or unsuccessfully attempted suicide. Like, because when you say that they, they, they're like, unsuccessful means they failed, right? So like, you, when you say that, someone that hears that goes, oh, I failed. One more thing that I failed at. So you have to be very... Especially someone that's trying to... Trying to do take, it, right? Trying to do it. Yeah, so... Um, and also, oh, this is, this, sorry, I, that was one word, but the other word was commit. They, they don't like to use the terminology committed suicide. You don't say that to people, that person committed suicide. Why? And I thought, I was like, man, I've been saying that all the time. Like, that person committed suicide. Why don't you say that? Because when you hear, hear the word commit, what words do you think? People commit what? Yeah. What? Like what's, people commit crimes. Yeah. People commit sins. Right? So the word commit is attached to negative words. Therefore, when people hear commit, it has a negative connotation and it is attached to suicide. And so we don't want to like say it, use that terminology because that could possibly trigger somebody with like a negative, like, oh, I, I like he, he tried to commit suicide. And it's like now all of a sudden that person hears that and they, yeah. there's this negative stigma attached to it. So the words do matter. Yeah. And that's just why I, why I am just more mindful of it. Like, okay, like I'll just swap out that word. Yeah. Um, but like most people don't, you know, know that. So that's where it's like, we have these conversations so that we can, you know, say, Hey, like, Hey, like that word, maybe don't just be mindful that like that could actually upset somebody. Yeah. No, that's good. And I know we, people joke about, we're in a time where, you know, you can't joke or you can't do anything like that. But you know, if it's a, if that's something easy corrected and, yeah. it, and it gets help one person out now, 99% of people that 
don't associate with that. But if it helps one person out, it doesn't really take too much out of your day. You're not like changing who you are by change, saying those few words, you know? So like, it's, it's something very simple. Um, but that's, that's a good point, man, that you're making, because if you can't swap out that one word, if it's that important for you to be like, no, I'm not going to conform. That's a bigger issue. Now yeah. you're ta- now you're talking about ego. Yeah, and, 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 and that's and we're a very egocentric society. I think there are a few things that go on in this in in our world now where we're like really we're gonna worry about like that like that seems a little bit much, but that's something where it's just like, I think it's pretty cut and dry. It's like that doesn't affect anyone, doesn't affect you for saying things. It should changing the word by not using those two words um, when you're talking about suicide. Um, if it could help one of your friends that's sitting there by not mentioning that and not giving them those negative thoughts, you know, you might just help your friend. You might not even know it, but that's an easy thing to do. It doesn't really affect, it doesn't affect your daily life. You know, I don't think. And again, that's, but that's where it's just a matter of being mindful. I think so often people, before you're mindful, you just assume that everybody hears the words in the same way that you do. Yeah. Right. Like that's what I thought before I started doing all this self-reflection was, Everybody, what I say to somebody, like everyone's going to perceive my intentions the way that I perceive them. Yeah. And the show taught me that was I took action and then I tried to explain myself and I was like, why don't people see? Oh, I just got to explain a little bit more. So I explained a little bit more and the people got even more, more angry. I was like, and then what my, my ego jumped in and said, you're all stupid. That's what it is. Oh, they're, they're all just dumb. That's why they can't figure it out. And because again, like I was the emotionally unintelligent individual, I, but my ego wouldn't let me see that. I wasn't self-aware at all. And so I was just like, are you all that dumb? Like how many times I have to spell it out for you? This yeah. is why I did it. And then one day I saw a comment online and they said, you know, I understand where Clayton's coming from, but what bothers me is that he continues to try to explain himself as opposed to take, you know, accepting impact the impact that he left on these women. He hurt them, he made them cry. And he still hasn't apologized for doing that. He's been spending all of his time on podcasts trying to explain his intentions instead of just accepting accountability for his actions. And I was just like, boom, light bulb moment. It hit me so hard, I was like, oh, that's, that's all, that's, that's like all that people want me to do is just accept accountability. Like, I was like, well, why haven't I been? And that's when I realized, I was like, cause your ego is not letting you. Because yeah. your ego thinks that your in- intentions, that everyone should just understand you and be like, okay, well, we perceive it differently, but that's on us. Yeah. So that's on us. So like, no, we're not going to make you like expect you to accept accountability. No, like my ego was like, no, my intentions were this. So you need to accept my intentions for what they are. That's literally how I think. Yeah. I'm also on a TV show. <laughs> so like, but I, I would understand like how if I run a TV show, people are like, this guy's an asshole. Yeah. Because I've never thought about it like that until you just put it that way we weren't told we never <laughs> taught to <laughs> right I, mine was just you know a, <clears throat> a, a dickhead from Massachusetts you know like and I don't I mean that in like a funny way like a mass yeah, 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 yeah. cause and it's just like well it's not my fault you're offended by the words because I didn't mean it that way it's like well I don't that's just how we go about I was like you if you're not offended by you offended someone's like well that, they took my words this is how I meant it yeah but if I actually said something to offend people I feel like that obviously is different but but until like you know just listening to you now it's kind of like it's like oh, I've never really thought about like my ego gets in my way because I'm like well I didn't mean it so stop being offended and I'm like oh, well, yeah. I'm not going to apologize for something I don't think I did yeah. wrong and your ego but it's your ego dude we've I just I was doing that I still sometimes catch myself I haven't just I haven't mastered it 
But like, I can't tell you how many times I said to previous exes, I'm sorry you feel that way. That's not how <laughs> yeah. I meant it though. Yeah. That's an ego driven comment. Cause you're saying, I'm sorry you feel that way. That's not how I meant it. Essentially what that's implying is, um, figure it out. Cause that's not my yeah. problem. So like, go ahead and like, you need to like change your mindset because I meant it this way. So if you yeah. can't see it that way, well, sorry, you feel that way. As opposed to saying to somebody, I'm sorry for making you feel that way. Yeah. Like, not I'm sorry that you feel that way. I'm sorry that I made you feel that way. That wasn't my intention, but I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Leaving it at that, right? Like, just because the second you put in, I'm sorry that I made you, not I'm sorry that you feel this way. I'm sorry that I made you. That's accepting accountability. Yeah. And it's that, but that's major. Yeah. When, when someone hears that, they go, on the receiving end of that, they go, okay, He's accepting accountability. He feels bad. And then don't, you don't have to explain yourself. Just say, I'm sorry for hurting you. Not I'm sorry that you feel that way. I'm sorry for hurting you. What can I do to make it better, right? Yeah. Like The second that we stop trying to be right and the second that we just start trying to understand people, dude, I've, the second that I let my ego was beaten to a pulp from the show, thank the Lord, <laughs> it's beaten to a pulp. Because it was beaten to a pulp, I wasn't right. I was the guy that was wrong. My, I couldn't be right if I wanted to be right at that point. Yeah. So then I thought, well, okay, if I can't be right, maybe I should just try to understand because I can't be right at this point. I'm the wrong one. Yeah. And so I started opening my mind up to like, what is the other side saying? Can I understand them? And I started to listen to them. And then I realized like, oh, I don't have to be right. It's not a, life, life isn't right or wrong. People just want to be understood. They want to feel that, they, that you, they're seen and heard. And that's all those women on the show ever wanted. They just wanted me to, to be like, hey, I hear you, I see you, and I'm sorry for what I did. And, you know, what can I do to make this better, right? But, like, that, to get to say that, your ego has to be willing to be like, I'm not trying to be right. Yeah. I'm trying to understand. And that's, dude, that's tough, man, especially when, like, your entire life, you were never taught that. Yeah. You were just taught, like, life is right and wrong, right? Like, light, light, you know, life is right or left, right? is black or white. And like, that's what society wants to do because they want to pit people against each other. They want to keep, you know, they want two sides because that gives, keeps power in their hands. If there's eight sides, then well, all those two sides lose power. Yeah. Right. So that's what life was taught to us for that reason. Right. Like we want you to pick one, the left or right, because that gives us more power. And I'm, I'm not, yeah. I, don't, I don't even get too into this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, getting yeah. I'm getting into like this, you know, this, well, like, I just, I have, you know, I just realized that like life is gray area. Right. Life is yeah. black and white. And I was uh, like society growing up told me life is black or white. And I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah. No, it's not. Well, and uh, that's kind of, we haven't, we've talked a lot, a lot. We've covered a lot of questions and stuff, but it's been, we've been going on a lot, but I think it's been a good conversation. Been, yeah. Um, so you go on the show and obviously I, we talked about it didn't go so well. Um, obviously you're like this villain, uh, a lot of negative comments and stuff towards you, but I, I've heard you, you know, speak. Um, you spoke at body, um, you do a lot of engagements and you speak to younger kids, you, kids in the youth, uh, high schools, middle schools and stuff like that. But one, and I want you to get into it, but one thing that you said that resonated with me was after the show, you went and looked at it and you're like, dude, I had so many negative comments, negative cause you were in a dark spot, negative comments, negative comments, negative comments. Yeah. And then when I was writing my book, I went to go look for these negative comments and it's like, they were like 15% negative comments. It, it was like the, the opposite. It's like when you're looking for something, when you're in a basketball, when you're looking for it, you see it. And it's almost like if you're just like, oh, I, I'm thinking about getting a white car. The next thing you know, you see all these white cars. Yep. 
in, in analogy, but that was one of the things you said is like, I always like, whenever I'm in like a bad spot or every time I'm like kind of like upset, if I let it sit in milk, more things are now going to annoy me. Yeah. And get me, I'm just going to get worse and worse. And I'm going to eventually just probably going to like cuss someone out. And that's not good. And then I'm going to go, it's going to be full circle. I'm going to go and be like, well, I'm sorry you felt that way and my bad. You know, and that's just going to keep going. Yeah. Just, you don't want to do that. It's so negative feedback loop. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's, uh, I remember saying that to you. And it, again, what does it come back to? The power of the mind. When you focus on something, it, it, Brings it in, uh, I say, brings it into focus. That's not that. That's not, I'm like here. Here I am trying to say something smart. That's not. That's not. That's not who we are. That's not it. But when you when you focus in on something, it, it it really brings light to it, and and you end up like you start to pay more attention, and you're like, oh my gosh, why am I seeing? I want to buy a white car, and now I'm seeing white cars everywhere. The fact of the matter was, those white cars were always driving around. They didn't just all of a sudden call each other up and be like, hey, Clayton apparently is looking for a white car, so let's go ahead and like yeah. start driving on The walk. Truman Show. Yeah. It's just yeah. like... Yeah. yeah, right. Well, sometimes I felt like I was on the Truman Dude, Show. Right? I, like, that was, yeah, you... That was cool. Sometimes yeah. I'm just I'm like, yeah. we sure people aren't videotaping me because <laughs> yeah. yeah. this life thing is yeah. it's quite weird, man. I watched that, that movie. Someone said, you should watch that, that movie. And after I was came off the show and I did, I was like, this is weird. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember at the time I was dating my ex and I looked at her and I'm like, she goes... I might just be, you know, paid to be here. And I was like, stop, don't say that. Um, but you're like well, going to the end of the street, like seeing if there's a wall. Yeah, yeah, I'm like trying to, I'm like, I need to swim. So the, good, the, the good thing is if I was on the Truman Show, they're like, we, he's, all we had to do is put water in, between him <laughs> and the, in, the, in the barrier because he won't swim out to it. He can yeah. barely swim these days. But, uh, but yeah, man, I mean, again, the, the whole point was, is you're right. I went back, I, I went fishing for those negative comments and I was, I, I also not realized I'm like, man, I thought these things were like way more apparent than what they were because I was looking for them. I was shopping for pain. That's what, uh, you know, someone from one of the previous bachelorettes told me. She was, if you go shopping for pain, you'll find it, right? Like if you go into the store and you go looking for a particular item, you're going to go find it because you're on the the hunt for it, right? But you're going to find a lot of similar items as well while you're doing it, things that you probably would have never seen because you've changed your focus to look for something different than what you typically were looking at. Yeah. That's mindfulness. That's the power of mindfulness. When you start focusing in on one thing, it makes, it magnifies it. That's the word I was looking for earlier. (laughs) (laughs) When I had my focus issue, I was looking for the word magnify. It magnifies it. It it really throws it up in front of your face where you're like, I can't see anything else. Yeah. But that's, there's power in that. What, uh, we talked about the book. We haven't really gotten into. We, I think we've talked a lot about what's in your book, mm-hmm. um, or you, you know, you've obviously done a lot with like mental health and stuff. What's kind of the company inspired? Because I didn't send you, let you know I was gonna say this, but what's one of the like the biggest? I'm trying to word this correctly. Like, what's something you didn't know? You know that you realize you're like, wow, this really impacted me and how I think or how I view things or how I talk to people. You might yeah, have already said it. Just learned in general, or yeah, um, like, like through, so. So you obviously, obviously, you talked about in, in high school. You know, you had some self doubt. You go to college, same things. NFL. You go on the show. You, you're talking to the guy, self doubt. Then you go and become the bachelor, and then it all kind of comes full circle. And now you've kind of switched everything. Went. I'm going to focus on mental health. Yeah. I'm going to be an advocate for it. Mm-hmm. Is it something that someone told you? Is it just you know kids reaching out to you? Is there something that you've been like? Man, I'm really glad. 
I'm really glad I decided to go down this road to be more mental, you know, speak mental health advocate focused. Because I know you you've lost a lot of you lost a lot of hours early on when you start talking about mental health. Mm-hmm. And you might be like, is this the right move? Yeah. Oh, and I had that. Okay. So what was what was what was driving me to to go down this path? Yeah. Um, it was the DMs and the messages that were sent to me as I you know put up that first post of vulnerability when I, I don't remember what the first one was, but, um, I just decided that I have this massive platform. I'm not well liked, uh, but I can get through to people. I don't want to just post, you know, getting drunk on the weekends and partying nonstop. Like I have a massive audience now, which means I have this, you know, this responsibility that I can use to influence people in a good way. Right. Like not just be pushing out ads and stuff. Um, although I, you know, I do that, right? Like I, because again, like I, I have to make business decisions myself to, to pay the bills, but I, um, so I had this massive, you know, when I came off the show, 315,000 followers is what I had. And, um, I said, I can do something with this man. And so I, I just, one day I shared something vulnerable because it just was on my heart and I got a lot of positive comments in my DMS, people saying, thank you so much for talking about this. You know, this is something that I struggle with and it's really nice to see that I'm not alone. Um, and I think that maybe the first time I was vulnerable, I had, I had five of those comments and I just remember thinking, wow, this is, this is powerful. Yeah. And so then I thought maybe I should just document my journey to finding myself because I'm sure somebody can relate to this. So I started doing it and yeah, I started losing followers drastically. Um, you know, uh, well, most of it was lost when, no, I started actually losing before my, uh, Susie and I broke up from my, my ex from the show, but it was tough because when I would make mental health posts, they get like a thousand likes. And then I'd post something with her, with Susie and I and we'd get 50,000. So I, I equated likes to value. Well, thankfully I learned that lesson that likes don't equate to value. I see a lot of you know, a million likes on a post since what I think is just dumb, yeah. you know, people doing stupid stuff and it's entertaining, but you know, there's not, to me, there's no value in it. There's value to somebody, right? That's why they're liking it. But I just realized for me, what I was posting, I said, no, wait, this, this post you just put up has, you know, 400 likes, but you just save somebody. Yeah. I would get people saying that. And I, I, I it's not like I could sit here and, and, and challenge them whether or not it actually did save them. But I had, I've gotten, you know, at this point close to 50 messages of people saying, you saved my life with this post. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was feeling hopeless and I, I, I started contemplating, you know, ending my life in this post or, or, you know, your multiple posts. I've been reading them and it's, it's helped me see the light. So that, that, that's why, that's why I've continued to do this. Um, because I realized that I can help people. Yeah. And, that there's again that's something that I don't care how many likes I get at this point like, like whatever I get exposure wise whoever it gets in front of is, is who it's meant for yeah and that's what I believe so it's um, awesome it's, it's a beautiful thing man to not care about likes and just post to post to help people absolutely what, uh, what's next for Clayton well I don't know man if I knew if I had a crystal ball that'd, that'd be a beauty but I think you know the, the coolest thing is is like I'm just living life day by day uh, you know, I, I, I live my, one of my new mottos is what's, what's meant for me will be. So, um, I want to share one other, just, cr- I, know, yeah, I, know, it, I know we're pressed for time here, but I, I just believe like, I, I really want to share this. This is powerful to me. 
Um, I had, I just met somebody recently, a new friend, and uh, we were talking about this stuff similar to this. He's big into mental health too. Um, and I said, man, I go, I'm, I'm an overthinker and it just, just drives me insane, man. And he said, this might help you. He goes, if you can get to this place of believing this, this statement I'm about to tell you. He said, just remember this. You, you will never say the right thing to the wrong person, but you'll never say the wrong thing to the right person. And he, I said, what do you mean by that? He goes, well, for overthinking so often, we'll sit here in our heads and we'll send out a text, say you like somebody, you like a girl. And you'll look at that text message and the overthinker, I've done this a million times, we'll look at it and be like, should I say it that way? And then I'll delete it and I'll, I'll write something else and I'll delete it and write something else. And I'll do this 10 or 15 times. And I'll finally press send on the message. And then 10 minutes will go by, 20 minutes will go by without a response, an hour will go by without a response. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I should have said the other thing. Why did I say that? You know, and I'll overthink it, right? Then maybe all of a sudden a message will come back over. And I'm like, ah, oh, thank you, she responded. But then I go back into like, what should I say again? And what I realized was with his messaging, he was saying, listen, man, just you're going to say whatever you're meant to say to that person. And to the right person, you can never say the wrong thing. So just send that first message. Don't delete it and send something else. Just send it because that first message is authentically you. Yeah. That's the first, the first response that you think of. That is you, right? Then the second and third and fourth and fifth response is what you think they want to hear. He's, and so he goes, just poet, just send it, man. And if they don't respond, they were never meant to be in your life. And he goes, it'll be hard at first, but then you'll realize like, I can just be me and it'll attract the right people. Yeah. And I don't have to send, and I don't have to think, overthink it. And I can spend that time instead just going about my life instead of overthinking it and getting critical and negative about, I should have said this. I just send it and go on with my life. Yeah. Don't you wish sometimes, you know, when you're like. You know, you've been drinking, you get like five or six, and you're feeling like very comp, like, like confident level. Yeah. Like I wish you could just like, when you were sober, whatever you're at, feel like that confident level that you have at like whatever. So sometimes it's a confident after like the confidence you have after probably scoring a touchdown or something. Like yeah. whatever that like high is, yeah. if you could just always just be like, almost like take a sip of a coffee and give you that and just be like, all right, let me shoot that text out yeah. there right there. But sometimes you need explanations. Like that was a great explanation. There's no like pill or something you can just take. To just to just do that, but like you said, if to the right person, a family member, a best friend, or someone, whatever you send it to, you're like, how do I know? It's like honestly, if they're hearing from you, it, there's not really much you could say wrong yeah. to them. And you know what? If you say something that offends them, they're, they're the right person is just well, gonna like, say, hey, you know, I don't really like that. Yeah. You know, like, the, what do you mean by that? They're gonna they're gonna ask a question back to you, like, to see if you're gonna double down on that. Yeah. Um, and but the wrong person. You don't, they may, you, they may not, they, they might teach you the lesson that what, what it taught me was the people that don't respond back to me, they're not meant for my life. And then I start to see their true colors down the road anyways. I'm like, good thing I didn't pursue that. Yeah. Because it's not that they're a bad person. They're just not, they don't align with my energy. They don't align with where I'm going. And they, if anything, they would have helped me back. They'd have sidetracked me, whatever it is. That energy is not meant to be in my life, and that's okay. They're, that doesn't make them a bad person. It just means you're not meant to be on my journey. Um, but maybe you're the person that shows me that, like, oh, you didn't respond back, and I am at peace with that, and I'm okay, and I'm happy still because I can just be me, and if you don't like me for who I am, that's okay, man. You know, again, what does alcohol do? It, it, it removes that fear, 
it gives you that courage to just send the first text. Yeah. How about, I don't know about the, I, disclaimer. I know. Disclaimer. Don't do a two thirty you up text. That doesn't count. We're not, you know, when you're drunk, do not, that does not count towards yeah. what we're about to talk about. Because what is, <laughs> what is, what does alcohol do? It typically removes the critical thinking. It removes any thinking and yeah. it just makes you react and you just, you just say whatever. But that's why liquid courage can be beneficial because you, because what you don't overthink when you're drunk. Yeah. I mean, I don't at least, I just say whatever, right? Now there's a point where you can overdo it, where you can say yeah. too much. But that's why I think people are like, I need some liquid courage. Why? Because they need to remove that overthinking, you know, and they need to just like be able to be like, I can just say whatever I'm feeling. And that's why people say drunk thought or drunk, what drunk words or sober thoughts. Yeah. Because they're, they you know, they're just like, I'm going to just say this. This is what I'm thinking. And that's yeah. what drunk people do. And that's why there's some positive, some positivity in that. Yeah. Unfortunately, most so, negative. Unless I, you, I, you've drank with me. I'm a pretty good drunk. Yeah. And I'm, drunk, I'm, I'm just, I'm fun. And yeah. then. I kind of get quiet. I think that's why all you guys get me drunk because I become quiet. And then you're like, oh, perfect. Now we can, have, we can get a word in. Our, our ears can take a break. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, man. man. You're, you're a great time. And this is, uh, I know, I don't know how long you typically run your podcast. An hour. These, I, yeah. I don't mean to go over, but I think yeah. the beauty and it's like. We just, I told you, I, I sent you the questions. I go kind of what I had, you know, a, a game plan and uh, usually just goes off the rails and we, or we tell stories or experiences always take longer to explain or somewhere yeah. quicker. So yeah. no, I think it was a good, I think it's good. And I appreciate you coming on. I know you're new to uh, Arizona. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad your first, you know, time moving here, you got to come out for my birthday. Kind of gave you a little, uh, little taste of the town. Yeah. I know. Now I'm getting sucked into what, what's been going yeah, you're, on. You're more than, you're more than me right yeah, now. Yeah. I'm in yeah, the yeah, vortex apparently. I heard you went out on a Thursday. I was like, God, I haven't, yeah. I haven't done that. I'm not I'm that crazy. It, <laughs> I'm, breaking, I'm breaking all the structure I used to try to throw in my life. Now I'm just uh, living, living moment by moment, man. And it's, it's honestly brought me so much happiness. So I'm just grateful. And this is a good, this is a good conversation, man. Again, yeah. I feel like whatever was meant to be said, it was said. So yeah, um, perfect. And, and uh, I always end every, um, podcast when someone has to say something great about me so you, whenever you're ready no can I do you want me to because I will absolutely I, I, I think man you've just been like such a good friend since I've been out here that just like I'm sure a lot of people know this like that's why they love you and that's why you have a magnitude of friends you have countless friends dude you're the most unselfish kid I've ever met. You've never wanted anything out of me. When I first came out here, I thought this guy is probably just trying to attach to my hip so that he can gain something from me because I've had a lot of people that have tried to yeah. do that since I've been out here. You haven't asked for one thing out of me. And this is the only thing I asked to come on the, the podcast. podcast. Yeah, yeah. A year later, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been out here for a year and you finally asked. Well, me. all right. So first we got, you almost, you almost were just like, Hey man, like I don't want to be a burden. I was like, dude, we're <laughs> friends. But like that just goes to show your character, man. Yeah. You, you legitimately do things for people because you just care about them and you want to see them succeed and you expect nothing in return. And that is incredible. I, I appreciate that's that. why you have so many people around you because people see your heart for what it is. And like, that's why I have, continue to be around you and hit you <laughs> up because I'm like, I just love his energy because he's, he's unselfish, man. And like, I am a selfish person. I wish I was more unselfish. And so that's why I put unselfish people in my corner to teach yeah. me that so that it rubs off. So eventually I will be, I think I was a lot more selfish when I was younger. I thought I was a lot, truthfully, I thought I was a lot better. Like I thought in my head, like I was just like, I thought I was a man a lot. Mm -hmm. And then I, I don't know what it, I, if I, I probably just sit down with someone and try to figure out where it came along, yeah. but I think I was like 
I kind of ended up like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to be, just be happy. I'm going to do whatever I want to do whenever I want mm-hmm. and just kind of been happy. And then by doing that, I kind of like more people wanted to be around me. More people want to be happy and like hang out. And I just yeah. thought like, and then it was just like, well, this is more fun than, you know, doing whatever else I was doing and stuff. So I always just thought that, but quick, we'll end on this quick story. The, the, my favorite part was you came out when you were on the show mm-hmm. and you were Brandon, my buddy Malik, and that's how I met you. My buddy Malik from college yeah. was on the season. He was coming out with me for waste management. Mm-hmm. And Clayton is uh, like, hey, you want, we, have a, we have a box at the Coyotes game. <laughs> and so he's like, I was like, he's like, he's like, Malik, do you guys want to go? He's like, well, I'm with my buddy. He's like, oh, we can fit. So one, it's me, your brother, Malik Brandon, in the backseat of like yeah. the car, like squished in this car, driving to the Coyotes game. I'm like, hey, want to get you guys on the ice? And you're like, well, want to do some tricycle races? And I was like, you can do that? I'm like, yeah, I can make a couple texts. I sent a couple texts. I'm like, all right, you guys are doing tricycle race at the end of the first intermission, yeah. which was funny. And then we go, you have a table to go at Hot Chick later that night or Blake did. Oh, uh, that was yeah. Blake yeah. Blake played. Uh, he was DJing. That yeah, he's time. DJing. Yeah. <laughs> and you were in the car. I was like, oh, like the, the guy won't answer the phone. I'm like, who? He's like, oh, they're supposed to call this guy. He's supposed to let us in. Like, so I was like, oh, let me make a call. Made a call. Got us in. You're like, you and Brandon, like, who the fuck are you, dude? Oh, and I was good. like, I was like, and, yeah. and and then I got like through Chloe, but like hooked us up with a bunch of tickets and some stuff for waste management. And you're like, this guy knows like everyone. Like this, he knows everyone. It's literally like the three things they were doing were the three things I knew people. But you know, what? that's why <laughs> it, it, it worked out as, so as well. As far as I was concerned, I was like, this man has magic at his fingertips. Yeah. And then I found out that's why you're the mayor of Scottsdale. Yeah, that's but Clay, they, you would have thought that I knew. Like it just so happened the three places, and then. Brandon during the waste measure this year, I saw him while this lady was just running me over with the golf cart. Like I almost broke my leg with nine of the dudes on this it's golf cart. And, and, and Brandon's like, hey, 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 can 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 you get us in? I'm like, Brandon, I'm not can't get six of you dudes in. Like, what do you mean? He was like, he was with a bunch of the guys. Yeah. And I was like, ah no, can't. It was, it was all Super Bowl week, it was a lot tougher. Yeah, was. And I he texted me, he's like, hey, can you get me in? I'm like, honestly, I don't have you only know me because those three places we did, I knew three people. <laughs> that was the, yeah, that but your song is so short, man. I mean, the thing yeah. the, at the end of the day, I think. Um, well, I don't want to steal your thunder here, but actually, let, let me, let me, let me. Again, I'm so I, no. I, so my quick, thunder was over. It was just I'm so quick to cut off. Here. No, it was, it was. I was just funny because he texted me, being like, he saw me, he's like, oh, Scott will have a connection, and there's just like, Brandon, the three things that like we did when you were here, the only three people I knew that had like big pull into things. It just, it was funny that. You know, it's like, oh, always, uh, I, I was like, I want to help you out, but, but I, I, thought again, it was, I thought it was funny. Yeah. I was like, I'm not that connected, but. But, but you're downplaying yourself, so I'm going to build you back up here. Right. You, you, you are, but why are you connected? Because people love authenticity, authenticity reads, and that's why you have those connections because people like good people, man. And like in a world of, you know, comparison culture and people trying to be things that they're not and prove to others that they're something and impress them. It's like, you're just you, man. Yeah. You know? And that's, and that's the view. That's like, what's so nice. And that's why I love your energy. That's why I love hanging around. That's why this conversation is great is because we all see it. And, uh, and, and I've learned a lot from you just watching how that's contagious. Uh, so thank you, man. You can watch too much that you're going on yeah. Thursdays now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the bad G2. Some hey, some good and the bad, right? Yeah. You yeah, take, you, again, you take the bad with the good balance. Yeah, but um, thanks, you know, thanks again for coming on. I appreciate it. Um, just your book again and where they can get it. 180 degrees. Uh, make it real simple. You can find everything on my Instagram. Uh, it's just Clayton Eckert, first and last name. C-L-A-Y-T-O-N-E-C-H-A-R-D. It's all there on Instagram. 
and that's where you can find it. Perfect. Thanks.